0: From curious currencies to celebrity stage names, I am Matt Lambertson, and this is the Well Actually Podcast. So, after doing this podcast for, what, more than a month now? Almost two months, actually. um, People I know, whether it's someone who listens to the show every single week, or even just someone I know, These people ask a lot of questions about my plans for the podcast in the future. They're curious about what I intend to do with it. And one particular question that I get pretty frequently is whether or not I'm going to monetize the show. Or even when I'm going to monetize it. And by monetize, these people mean when am I going to start making money from the show. With ads and sponsorships even merchandise at some point, you know, if you want to get a t-shirt. And all that sounds great. I'd love to do all that in the future, to have my podcast featured on Spotify or all those other platforms, to grow the audience, to do all that, and to do more. And that's obviously not where I'm at right now. Right now, I'm doing this all on my own time. No money or anything involved. It's just me enjoying what I do. And I really do enjoy doing this, and that's why I've set my initial goal, just to put out all the best content I can for you guys, the listeners out there. Because once you have that in place, that content, then you can start to think about the money, if I'm ever so fortunate, if this podcast blows up or something. But with how my mind works, I'm not surprised that all this money talk sent me brainstorming about a new subject that I have yet to cover on the show. And that subject, which will be the initial topic for today's episode, that is, of course, before I welcome a long-awaited special guest, who will definitely have some insight on the subject, actually, among many other interesting things. But until then, until I welcome that guest, what I'd like to talk about today is, you guessed it, money. Or more precisely, currency. So, just to start, what exactly is currency? And why do I care to waste 10 minutes of my own breath just talking about it? Not to mention, why are you wasting your own ears listening to my wasted breath? Well, let's see. To answer the first question, to get a few of the boring definitions out of the way, currency is anything that can be used as a medium for exchange between people. Meaning that you can use whatever that thing is, and we call that money, and you can exchange it for a good or a service, like a ham and cheese sandwich or, I don't know, an appointment with a chiropractor, whatever it is that you can think of that you want to do or that you would like. And the main driving force behind establishing currency is the fact that it standardizes everything. And standardization is helpful. But uh, let me explain, let me back up a little bit, because there are a few things that I've already assumed so far. Like, why can't we just trade goods and services? Like the old days, barter and trade, you know? When people exchanged a cow for a bushel of wheat. But here's the issue with that. Trade can only work if either side of that possible exchange has something that the other side wants. Here's a good example. Let's say we got somebody, we'll call him Person A. And Person A has a herd of cattle, but he wants chickens and person B wants cattle. But person B, she doesn't have chickens. She only has corn or horses or anything else but chicken. So the deal's off, because person B doesn't possess anything that person A wants, because all that person A wants is chicken. That's all he wants. And that's where currency comes in. If we as people are able to assign value to what things are worth, people can trade with anyone, meaning they can be in business with anybody. It opens everything up. That means you can get all the stuff you want, right? It's a lot less hassle. Truly a brilliant system, so kudos to all those people out there that said, you know what? We need a currency. And now the last relatively boring thing that I'll say is that we didn't get it into dollars and cents right away. No, we as humans started using something called commodity money first, which is Currency that actually has some sort of inherent value attached to it, usually because it's hard to come by, it's rare, like gold or silver, all those precious metals. Those were hard to come by, buried deep in the earth, and they were shiny. And let me tell you, people also love shiny things for whatever reason. So those metals, mainly gold and silver, they were used as a commodity money, as currency, because there was a limited amount of it. It therefore had value in and of itself, I guess. But nowadays, we've moved away from commodity money, and now we use what economics people call fiat money, or money that has no intrinsic value, which is basically the paper money that you're used to seeing. It's paper, it's not really worth anything. I mean, I suppose it is worth something. And the money actually does have value, because we attach value to it. Because we only print so much of that money... But uh, but you you get the point, right? It's different from precious metals. I suppose at one point the government just said, You know what? Hey guys, this is our currency. We're going to print paper, put some nice little pictures on there. It's cheap to make, easy to carry, so use it. So that's what we did, right? Or that's what they did. And we've just kind of carried that on, and it's, it's a great system, really. It's brilliant, I gotta say. I'd give it an A-minus. But that's not what I'm all that worried about, about the economics part of it, about inflation, deficits, bankruptcy, financial crises, all that complicated stuff. No, I'm actually more concerned with the other, less-talked-about things when it comes to currency, the small, seemingly insignificant stuff which I've laid out in a series of questions that I have about currency, you know, the money we use today. And for the sake of you listeners, which are presumably mostly American— at least at this stage of the game, before the podcast blows up, right? I'm going to focus on the United States dollar and our country's currency choices. So here's the first of those pressing questions, most of which I will not answer all that well. It's really just questions leading to more questions leading to more questions. So without teasing this out any longer, here's question number one. And that question is, why green? Seriously. Why do they pick green? Why is the U.S. dollar green? And it's not just the dollar bill. It's all the American bills. I mean, I guess the $5 bill has a little bit of red in there. And the $10 bill has some yellow. It's not straight green. But all those bills have like a lot of green ink on them. All I'm asking is, why? Why not a different color? Why not blue? Why not purple? Why not literally any other color? And in all honesty, I don't really care why they made the dollar bill green in the first place. I guess it might have had something to do with the cost of the ink. Green ink must have been pretty cheap, for whatever reason. That had to be it, right? But if that's the rule of thumb, if that determined what color they picked, the price, then why didn't they print paper money in black and white? Why don't they do that now? That's much cheaper. Color ink is definitely more expensive. Unless they had some real, real passionate guys that were like, I don't know, we need color. We need color. But I'm, I have no idea, honestly. Maybe people who were designing our currency were just big fans of the color green. Go Packers. And I guess I can get on board with that theory that it was purely a subjective selection process. It's not like green is a bad color. It's actually quite nice. But I'd like to entertain a teensy-weensy digression here. How does anyone pick a favorite color, by the way? Just, I'm wondering. How do you do it? Like, how? I feel like when you're a kid, that's a question you get all the time. People ask you, hey, hey Johnny, what's your favorite color? I'd always be like, hmm, what do I feel like today? Do I feel like an orange person? Maybe a nice sky blue? Or sometimes I would try to anticipate what sort of color the other person liked, like just intuitively. I'm like, you know what, maybe they're a red person, so I'm going to say the same thing to be on their good side. But seriously, why do people even bother asking you that sort of thing? I had, I had no idea, ever, what to say. Because I don't have a favorite color. Just like I don't have a favorite shape. Really, that's actually a good question. Why doesn't anyone ever ask you, hey, uh, what's your favorite shape? It's just as irrelevant as your favorite color, if that's a thing. I'm actually quite curious, are you a square gal? A triangular type of guy? Or uh, maybe you're into hexagons, like WandaVision? A witty reference for all you Marvel fans out there, and great show by the way. Highly recommend it, it's on Disney+. Plus. But really, who cares what shape you like? Or who cares what color you like? And what does that even say about a person? Whether you prefer rectangles to rhombuses? And that actually leads me directly to my second question, which is, why a rectangle? Why do they have to go make the dollar bill a rectangle? Again, it's plausible that maybe all those guys and gals just really thought rectangles were dope. But that's unlikely. Like I said, people don't have favorite shapes. They really have no business having a favorite color, but they definitely shouldn't have a favorite shape. So why a rectangle? Why not a square? Why not a triangle? Why not a trapezoid? Or a pentagon? Or an octagon? And I could go on and on and on and just keep listing shapes with endless numbers of sides, right? Why didn't they pick any of those? But aside from the fact that they picked a boring old rectangle, how did they come up with the dimensions? How large or small to make the money? And actually, I looked this part up, you know, I did my research, and the current size of all U.S. paper currency is 6.14 inches in length and 2.61 inches in width. Now, that's awfully specific, and I actually have a pretty good idea why the dimensions are so random, because it might make it a bit harder for forgers to do their work, because you can't just measure out fake money in these even amounts, like 6x2. That would have been much more easy. But also, while I was looking at this information trying to see how big the dollar bill is, I came across one interesting factoid, and it said that the dollar bill used to be a bit larger. Actually, Each bill used to be approximately seven and three-eighths inches long by three and one-eighth inches wide, which isn't actually a huge difference, but it's different enough that I feel like you'd notice if someone handed you an old dollar bill, like a collector's item, and you had it in your hand and you were like, wait a second. Actually, that would probably be a pretty good prank if the government just randomly decided to change the size of the dollar bill back to what it used to be pre-1928. I actually wonder how many people would notice. And that brings me to another point. What exactly happened in 1928 that caused the people in charge of this sort of thing to decide, you know what, we could make the dollar smaller. We're kind of wasting a bunch of paper here. Fair enough. And there was probably one person who was like, no, let's be radical. Let's scrap the whole thing. Yeah, that's right. I propose an equilateral triangle two inches all the way around. And let's make it bright And there was probably another guy on the other end of the spectrum who was like, no way, no, we need to make the dollar bill larger, greener, more rectangular than ever, somehow. And at some point, they reach a compromise or something like that, and they decide to make the dollar bill a little bit smaller, so not much of a change, and after so much potential. Now, before I highlight the last question that I've set aside for this opening subject, I'd like to assure all you listeners that I will be joined by this episode's special guest very, very, very shortly indeed. And in all honesty, I can hardly wait myself. we got some tremendous, remarkable content in store, and perhaps a few other surprises. So stay tuned. But with that little reminder aside, I'd like to examine the third and final odd question that I have about currency. So here it is. Why all the symbols? Just Why? Let's be honest, you look at any dollar bill, whether it's a dollar, a five, a ten, and so on, you look at all those bills, there's a ton going on. Just craziness all over. You you don't even know where to look. Like, the designers definitely did not take a less is more approach. No, they were probably thinking, more is more. All the random letters and numbers, the presidential portraits, the seals, the emblems, the little pictures there's just way too much going on. And yes, I will admit that most of the stuff on any given dollar bill has a relevant meaning. I mean, some of it is certainly superfluous or unnecessary, sure. And plenty of the stuff they put on there is repeated at least four times, just so you don't miss it. 10, 10, 10, 10, right? Like, I think the $1 bill, for instance, has the number one on it, like a gazillion times. All over the place. You can't miss it. A one here, a one there. We get it. It's worth a dollar. I honestly feel like the dollar bills were built just for trivia. Having all this symbolism that 90% of the people out there don't ever care to notice. And I guess it deserves mentioning that all those crazy design elements make it harder for forgers, because it'd be much easier to copy a dollar bill if it had, like, two things on it. But let me be clear. No person should ever look at a dollar bill for inspiration if they want to major in graphic design or anything like that. So be warned, if that wasn't already obvious enough. Anyways, I think I've worn out that subject enough, and not a moment too soon. Because, like I promised, I'm happy to say that the wait is finally over. Today's guest, the fourth ever for this podcast, has finally arrived. Please let me welcome this guy, who, like my other guests, has a bunch of nicknames, apparently. Some people call him J-Dog, J-Crew, JG Wentworth, Willy Wonka, Melman, Nature Boy, Capper, King James, Zion, or even the second coming of the Michael Phelps. Please let me welcome my good friend, James Seaton. James, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me on, Matt. Been looking forward to this.
0: Glad to hear, glad to hear. Well, James, how are you doing today?
1: Can't complain, can't complain. Good day of golf, good food, and good friends.
0: That's a... That's a... Trifecta right there. Great stuff, great stuff. Now, before I get into the content for today, or even before you really introduce yourself more to the listeners, I'd like to focus on those nicknames for a second, James. I guess you could really pick out any of those nicknames that you'd like to focus on, but I'm sure there are plenty of origin stories to back up each of those. So uh, you want to highlight a few of those for the listeners here?
1: Yeah, so we'll start with the easy ones. All righty. So Melman... Comes from my good buddy Tristan. He Tristan uh, real our nickname.
0: former guest.
1: Yeah, Tristan. He gave me that nickname, and uh, if you see me walking around the halls, whether it's at uh, Suncoast or Florida State, you know I'm more often than not towering over everyone. So, uh, <laughs>
0: James, how tall are you exactly? Just so our I, listeners can get an idea.
1: I am six foot six.
0: Six foot six. That's also why I call him Zion Williamson.
1: So I'm I'm quite always towering over <laughs> everyone. So for sure. That's where that one comes from. Uh,
0: how about the how about that nature boy nickname? That one sounds like a good one. I think there's a good story there.
1: Nature boy is probably the best story. So, um, I went to Bach, and uh, during my time at Bach, I had a seventh grade math teacher. Who was taking Algebra one, and uh, she was, you know, your stereotypical sixty five year old Algebra one teacher. Taught bell to bell. No teacher, I can, no student interruptions. I can picture her now. <laughs> So, she, you know, she's just bell to bell and and never letting the students talk and just not really a fun teacher in a sense. But, uh, you know, that that's okay. But, uh, you know, one day I'm sitting in class with a hoodie on, hoodie and t-shirt underneath, and she's teaching on the board and she's turned around facing the board and I, I'm sitting in my desk and I get hot. So I naturally take off my hoodie. And uh, when I take off my hoodie, the t-shirt comes with it. Oh, no. And oh. Uh, unfortunately... Um, as the hoodie and the t-shirt comes off. Had a
0: little skin showing?
1: <laughs> More than a little. Okay,
0: all righty. Uh, Full frontal.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay, waist uh, up. Yeah, we're we were we were pretty pretty bare there. Okay, all righty. So teacher turns around, and uh, granted, this is a teacher who doesn't really have a good relationship with her students. No and, sense of humor, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, gotcha. Kind of stone cold. And uh, she looks at me, and she says, whoa, what are you up to, nature boy? <laughs> So uh, so she coined it, Nature Boy. Yes, sir. Gotcha. Wow. Oh, you called me sir. That's where that one came from.
0: (laughs) So kind, so kind. But okay, so Nature Boy, that one's pretty good. Yeah. Let's see here. Well, Willy Wonka, I can explain that briefly. Back in uh, fifth grade, actually, Uh, that's how long James and I have known each other. It's a long, long time. Um, But Willy Wonka was the the character you played in our play, um, or our musical, rather, that we put on as fifth graders. So that was pretty great, and of course, yes, you know the sir. tall, towering times. Willy Wonka, the voice of an angel, James. I will say back then even Thanks. had the voice of an angel, and more on that later. But uh, what what are some other nicknames here? Um, well, we have Capper. Maybe you want to talk about that one a little bit.
1: Capper is also uh, a nickname coined by the great Tristan Real. Tristan
0: Real coins a lot of nicknames. <laughs> it would appear.
1: Now, before I to preface the nickname, okay, I must say that tristan is in fact a capper himself oh okay i am a capper i've been called a capper because of my tendency to elongate the truth or tell untruths sometimes (laughs) to tell untruths that's just a part of being irish
0: oh of course that's That's a great explanation i gotta say (laughs) um but yeah so i think we've covered all bases uh king james obviously his name is james And he plays like LeBron, you know, Uh, and Zion and Zion. He's a combination of those (laughs) skill sets. Right. Which is, you know, fantastic. Yes. With that in mind. uh, Oh, and also the last the last nickname. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the the, the one to cap it all off. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I called (laughs) I referred to James as the second coming of Michael Phelps. So why would I mention that, James?
1: Yeah. So um, pretty much I've I was a competitive swimmer growing up and took it really, really seriously started swimming when my dad threw me into the deep end to teach me how to swim you know growing up in Florida yep water safety is pretty important so um for sure you know he he wanted me to swim and uh, as I got older I kind of stopped other sports stopped the basketball the tennis the soccer and stuck with swimming and you know uh, it was it was just always a good time good friends good workouts kept me in shape I could eat whatever I wanted however much I wanted yep. and uh you know it just no, the swimming is just.
0: I mean, again, you are probably the most gorgeous swimmer I have ever <laughs> seen in my life. Like you, I mean, honestly, just majestic is a great word. <laughs> Thank but uh, actually, a pretty funny story. Um, at least I think it's funny. Uh, when I was four years old, I actually took swimming lessons. When I swam, I kind of swam like I was swimming away from a shark. Like I was haphazard, doggy paddle, whatever it was. I'm still not a graceful swimmer, so I'm quite envious. But uh, but James, just beautiful swimmer. Majestic, like you said. So uh, anyways, with all that aside, I'd rather like to direct our focus back to the main content that we have planned for today. And that's kind of a bridge between our earlier topic, which was all about money and currency and all of my random insignificant questions about dollar bills and coins and and all of that. Um, So James, as you mentioned, I think you mentioned this, you are a finance major. Is that correct? Yes, sir. So, uh, so you obviously have a lot of knowledge about money and all the workings about that stuff.
1: I'd like to hope so. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so
0: how's all that going? Uh, want to just talk about that a bit? What kind of the curriculum entails, and uh, just all of that.
1: Yeah. So, um, I kind of my path to finance is a little bit unorthodox in the way that I didn't begin university as a finance major. I really wasn't too into it. Started as a as a vocal performance major. So yeah, you know you you grow in life and you live and you learn and that brought me to uh to change my major you know to finance and so uh started doing some finance prereqs so took business calc um micro macro economics and then i started moving into some of the some of the bigger business core classes um so spreadsheets for business financial accounting managerial accounting
0: all that great stuff yeah yeah, and, and actually, to my knowledge, is is your dad a financial advisor or something along those lines?
1: Yes, sir. My dad's a investment advisor with a uh, pretty prominent wealth management institution. Gotcha. And, uh, so awesome. He grew up kind of looking looking at what he does, and naturally kind of took an interest in it. Yeah, so. gravitating
0: toward it, and that's and that's great. And that's actually a pretty common kind of thing you see. But um, yeah. but what exactly? I mean, aside from that, because that's a great great kind of driving force behind it. Is there a certain Thing about personal finance that just draws you to that sort of thing, like the the independence, the the numbers, or what kind of draws you to that sort of to that sort of work?
1: Yeah, so just like you said, it there's many different moving aspects to it. So um, just the financial independence, uh, you know, not just the numbers, not just not just having the biggest bank account or having the biggest portfolio. It's it's really catering to the individual um, in order for that person to reach a level of financial security where they can live a fairly worry-free life. Um, and, and that's, so, and that's peace of mind really. For sure. Yeah. And, and I've always said that money is not happiness, but money provides stability. And, um, the way I see the world, stability provides happiness.
0: Exactly. So. I think, I think one of our prior guests, Nan Nanico <laughs> a few weeks ago, he actually said something similar. He said, money doesn't provide happiness, but, uh, but it sure help. It sure helps. Yeah. So, so. uh, So we can take that piece of wisdom and James, you seem to kind of, yeah, exactly. Add a little more specificity to that kind of line of thinking. But anyway, so that's, that's pretty interesting about the finance stuff. So I'd ask, are you planning on being a financial advisor as well? Were you kind of planning to take your career goals or, or perhaps a different route with something else?
1: Yeah. So, so my original plans, um, like I said, you know, growing up, I, I watched my dad in, in the wealth management industry. Um, and for, you know, from maybe age five, when you start remembering things to honestly, age 18, 19, I thought that's what I wanted to do. You know, I gravitated towards it. Um, and then when I'm in the program at Florida state learning finance, um, you know, I just, I, I've always had this seed in my, in my head. Um, I've kind of had this, this passion for aviation in a sense. Oh, wow. Okay. um, yeah, so that's it's something. So you I want just, to speak to
0: that a bit more about aviation because that's a pretty, yeah. pretty stark shift there. Oh, for there. sure,
1: yeah. And it's it's. I uh, I woke up one morning and I told my parents it's time to tell them, you know, how I'm how I'm kind of thinking about this. And so I, I told my friends too. And so I'll, I'll elaborate for the listeners here. Yeah, I'll but see. um, ever since I was a kid, I, I was fascinated with flight, um, aviation, airplanes, jetliners, and in, in general. Um, and, you know, you, you don't know, you don't learn how to pursue a specific field, I think, until you're p- after that high school phase and you can start meeting people and networking and, and kind of learning what the industry you want to pursue is about.
0: What exactly it entails. Yeah, you get a lot more information yeah. about that for sure.
1: So, looking at what my dad was doing in finance, uh, especially during the pandemic, you know, uh, with, with work from home, I saw that firsthand. And as much as I love, um, the idea of wealth management, I just didn't see myself in, in that position every day working nine to five um, doing that, you know, and that's not to say I, I don't have a passion for finance. Uh, like we've said, I, I'm very much so into personal financial literacy and whatnot. But I've made the decision where I'm unfortunate I'm, I'm fortunate enough in life to um, be able to consider a career change. And so uh, this summer, like I said, I'm a junior. I'm going to be 20 years old next month, but I'm, I'm in a position where I can pursue flight training, uh, get the necessary ratings, and eventually move on to the airlines oh, wow. um, that's, with not too much wasted time.
0: Yeah, lofty goals there, but definitely it seems like you got a plan, yeah. and you're just going to execute every step of that plan. But there's this, there's definitely <clears throat> this innate sense that when you feel like you have something that you want to do, and that's in there, and that you're like, you know what? this is what I want to do. And it really takes a lot of courage to actually share that. Yeah. Perhaps when it's not a conventional thing, it takes a lot of courage to do that. So uh, I commend you for that. But, but, uh, but that's great to to kind of hear that certain path. I know a few people, um, one of my friends, his dad's a pilot as well. So it's, it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. So that's, (laughs) I'm excited for you already just hearing about it.
1: And you know, none of, none of what I've learned in finance goes away. A lot of times people will ask me, well, if you want to be a pilot, then uh, why are you still in school? You know, and, And my answer to that is um, not only do do the major air carriers require a four-year degree in any discipline, but I just think pursuing a finance degree sets me up for success in all walks of life. You know, eventually I plan on buying a home and that home mortgage may need to be refinanced at some point. So knowing how to do loan amortization, it really, really will come in handy. So it's not a lost cause whatsoever. And I just trust the process. And like you said... Uh, you have a plan and you've got to execute it. And I think it starts with just having that plan. You know.
0: Well, that's awesome. That's great to hear. And uh, I just think one of the interesting things, again, to really highlight is how unconventional this path has been. Um, and one of the kind of um, points of discussion I want to focus on is this fact that you, you kind of started with this this idea that you wanted to, you, you said the major was vocal performance is what yes, you initially sir. went in for, and then you changed the finance, and now you're kind of finding really what your passion is, which is great. But just to focus kind of briefly on the start of that journey, and uh, even from my experience, I know that, James, you have tons of, of musical talent, for Thank sure. You. No problem. But, uh, I mean, it's the truth, honestly. Because um, when I remember, because, again, I've known James for a long time, back in high school, James did all the musicals, all the plays. Um, you can run through a few of those roles in a second here. Yeah, but for sure. But also back in middle school, you did that as well. You were in the choir, um, in band, just all sorts of things. Um so I guess, you would you like to speak to that kind of your experience with those past memories about your relationship with music and maybe For even bridging sure. that to your current relationship with music? Yeah. Because that doesn't end either.
1: Which Just never Just like the finance ends, ends right. doesn't end. Exactly. Um, it's the same kind of idea. Yeah, so. everything's a part of you. Yeah. Yeah, so so it really goes back to my time in grade school, uh, fourth grade. I think I was, um, I was the coroner in The Wizard of Oz. Nice, um, nice. I was also Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, we
0: mentioned that. Willy Wonka, outstanding performance.
1: And thank you. <laughs> yeah. And probably the the performance I remember most from grade school was, uh, I was Gene Kelly. I did Singing in the Rain. Oh, nice. Uh, at nice. St. Anne's. So that was fun. Um, and then I went to, like I was saying earlier, I went to, uh, to Bach Middle School of the Arts as a vocal major and had a really, really great time there um, singing choral music and whatnot. And and really working on my musicianship and honing in on those skills. And I made the decision in eighth grade to go to Suncoast to uh, to swim. They had a very, very good swim team there. And so went there and came part of the team and we went to States three years, you know. And so all that was good and well, but at the same time, I, I really took a liking for for music and I, I joined the choir. And same thing I did somewhat at St. At, uh, Anne's, you know, in grade school with you guys. But um started singing in the chorus and, and when you join chorus you kind of also go into theater, you know, and and I really just started working on my musicianship and, and honing in on those skills and really enjoying it, you know. I was having That's what little, it's all about, just enjoying yeah. it, right?
0: And all the people and, and all the great experiences. Yeah. For sure. And
1: when things weren't going well in the pool, if things weren't going well in the classroom, if things weren't going well in, in any aspect of life, you know. And to this day, I, I still feel this way, but music always is that escape for me, you know? So it's just always been there. And I, I just took a really strong passion for it. And um, I started entering into some vocal competitions, classical voice competitions, and, and doing fairly well. Um, and then eventually I went under the tutelage of a professor at uh, Palm Beach Atlantic, really, really wonderful professor who helped prepare me for some college auditions. Yeah. And, um, I'm thankful to say I was accepted into some of the uh, some of the biggest uh, music programs in the country uh, as a vocal performance opera major. Oh wow! Um, and the people I met doing that, and the experiences I had, and and people from all walks of life, um, just being able you know, to to sing with someone who doesn't even speak English. English isn't their first language. And Mm -hmm. just the fact that I could be on stage with someone and our only connection is an understanding of music and being able to read that language and understand that language. So that's that's really powerful. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the biggest takeaways I'll ever have from from my whole experiences in music.
0: And just the affirmation that you were like, you know what, I could do that. And you felt like you belonged. Music is a sense of belonging. And it was hard, like.
1: you know, um, I, I battled stage fright, you know, I'm Oh, I can imagine. I not can imagine. always the most confident person, but, um, again, going back from earlier, you just have a plan and you execute it. So I, you'd learn a piece, that's your plan and, uh, go on stage and share it with the world. You know, there's people, there's people out there who need to hear what you have to say. And, um, it, it had always been, it had always been my belief that, if one person walked away from any of one of, any one of my performances feeling feeling happy then I considered it a success you know just all exactly those one. individual
0: connections that you can make Yeah, for sure that's great And uh, so your voice just to kind of briefly focus I, th- I believe you would describe your voice as a tenor if I'm correct
1: Yes sir so um, I'm what's classed as a helden tenor okay um, Ooh, specificity nice. yeah so that's a, it's a little German prefix. Oh, German um, on nice. the word I don't have an exact translation for the German at this time yeah but um, I know where it where the held in tenor voice range falls so mm-hmm. it's it's slightly lower than what we call a lyric tenor which who sing very very high and just below a, a dramatic tenor. okay so yeah that's kind of where my voice sits and really just held in tenor means it's a it's a series of of notes that I sing fairly well and and what I would what roles what type of roles I'd be singing
0: nice. So. Um, okay, yeah, so that's, so that's actually pretty interesting, just the, the minimal music knowledge I have, because I, I don't really have much knowledge about vocal performance, I'm self taught you know, <laughs> I sing to myself, right, uh, karaoke and whatnot, but, uh, but moving past that, I, I had a few questions about perhaps what music curriculums are like, what professors are like, you know, oh, yeah. are, are there any teachers like the guy from Whiplash that just go <laughs> berserk on students? Oh, yes. So, I, uh, some I can. Do you have some good stories? I would, yeah. I would be oh, sure. Oh, for sure. From, if you were able to spill school, some yeah. of that. Oh, for sure. All righty. Well, yeah. give us give us your best one.
1: So, um, I had a professor uh, in the College of Music at Florida State, and he was, I'll say, quite emotional um, when it came to his teaching. And uh, it was it was an eight a.m. you know Tuesday and Thursday, and I, I, Ooh, I, early I, I yeah, oh early class yeah for sure. Uh-oh. For all, the, for all the listeners out there in high school, don't think that you can do an 8 a.m. when you get to college. I know. Yeah.
0: It's just the 8 a.m. Because I think we were actually talking about this earlier. In high school, you have to be up so, so friggin' early. It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. you got to be up like 6 o'clock, even, earlier. even yeah. earlier, really, depending on where you live and all that. But in college, then you think, oh, 8 a.m. is much later than that right. because school isn't starting at 7, right? It's That's an hour later. I'm close to stuff. I can walk. No. <laughs> just no. Don't do it. Take classes 10 a.m. and on. That's my advice. I yeah. think you would probably. consider I James. That. Yeah. But anyways, moving past that. So you said there's a an emotional music teacher. That's where we're left. So
1: yeah. So this was a uh, doctoral student at Florida State and brilliant, brilliant guy. You know, I, I went back uh, a few months ago and looked at his at his uh, dissertation and it was he he composed a piece that was just out of this world, but um little me i i stroll into his class on a tuesday and thursday back in back in the fall you know and it was, it was a class called oral skills a-u-r-a-l uh so kind of working on auditory skills as a musician so mm-hmm. we do sight singing um we do what's called dictation where they play a song uh they play a melody and you have to actually transcribe it and write it on oh on that's the sheet gotta music. be that's gotta be tough yeah. so i was doing that every morning really testing your ear yeah exactly so 8 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. every Tuesday and Thursday, you know, and I'm just walking in one day and, and it was piano exam day, which was where he would, it was sight reading. So he'd, he'd place a piano excerpt on the piano and you'd have 30 seconds to look it over but not play. And I, I put my hands on the piano and I'm half falling asleep. And, uh, you know, I, I just completely butchered it. And I, I play piano um I like to think I'm decent. I started learning by ear. I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. (laughs) We're we're decent, but um, I I started by ear. And uh, then when I got to Florida State, started taking some more intense piano courses. But I'm sitting there at 8 a.m. in the morning. And like I said, I just completely butchered it. And this guy is looking over my shoulder and he just has a complete meltdown. And oh, no. And it got to the point where uh, where some of the other kids in the class stood up and they're like, it's, it's, it's he just messed up. You know, it's it's all it's all good. It's just a mistake. And this guy just wasn't having it. But God bless his soul, because us musicians, we can be we can be really emotional. sometimes. perfectionists. And yeah, probably. yeah, For sure. Yeah. Wow. So that's, I, I'll carry that one with me for a long time. I for hear you. Sure.
0: Um I'm sure a lot of the experiences were definitely positive though, oh, but yeah. of course there's going to be instances like that for sure.
1: Yeah, nothing beats that feeling at, at the end of the performance, you know, where the minute between you take your bow and the applause starts, you know, and you just know you've you've killed it and you've really given it your all and really delivered the piece um you know done it justice to you the know? extent that i that the composer wanted you know yeah exactly, like you said exactly. done it justice by, I got it by the
0: way that's another point those composers like just going crazy i mean that's i got a lot of respect for those guys them waving their arms and everything yeah. and, and people think it's a lot of random waving which it might be but they're really directing certain sections like there's actually yeah. symbolism i mean you could yeah, probably on. speak to that more than i do but yeah. those guys they they sweat they build up so much they oh, burn yeah. so many calories just going up there <laughs> It's sure. pretty crazy, the hair going, yeah. going all over the place. And, you
1: know, they're taught to uh, not to stay on it too long, but they're they're taught to stay as loose as possible and not be tight. But you're just looking at them and you're wondering, how is how is there not any tension in their arms? And oh, backs, I know, you know, right? They're jumping around all over the podium. So. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Man. But anyways, on this topic of kind of composers, I had a few questions about, like, famous composers. Did you guys really have music history curriculum? Was that any part of it?
1: Yeah, so... um. I, where I started, uh, I had credit, I had AP credit for music theory one, but I, I still enrolled myself in music theory one just cause I wanted to learn music theory the way Florida state taught it. So exactly. Yeah. Anywhere you go around the country you have different professors, brilliant, brilliant professors who teach it a little bit differently. You know, some place a emphasis on Western music theory. Some people place an emphasis on Eastern, you know? So, um, that's why I chose to re-enroll in music theory one, but, um, there is in fact in particular a course uh like titled music history, you know, and music I, didn't, history. Okay. I didn't exactly get there in the curriculum, okay. but I did learn a lot um in music theory 1 with you know the renaissance was really the the origin of music theory as we know to this day, music theory okay. being the how we write, read and perform music to this day.
0: Okay, wow. So I was just, you know, because I I have <laughs> My questions. I, I was like, you know, wondering. Hey, do you guys have to like? Do you have history tests with like remembering what musician did what or who had influential things? Yeah. Stuff along those lines. I mean.
1: Yeah. So, um, in terms of like influential people, uh, something to tell the the listeners is uh, a lot of these guys wrote music for the church. You know, we always know yeah, the, yeah. the Catholic Church. They would commission. They would commission people to uh, to write these big works, and you know, some of the biggest works to this day were written for and commissioned by the Catholic church. And uh, a lot of these guys, life savings, life earnings came from these works. Uh, one, for example, would be Handel's Messiah. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so Handel's Messiah. Um, also the, the Alleluia, which is that stereotypical mm-hmm. piece. Everyone knows, yep, you know, for sure. Um, but guys would be set after writing for the church. I, other times uh, the church Really wouldn't pay these guys well, and you had some guys dying in complete poverty. Their oh, work wow. completely that's... unknown, uh, yeah. work unfinished. Uh, but that's why we have that's why we have people studying music theory to this day. You know, working on finishing what Beethoven couldn't get to, what Mozart couldn't get to. You wow! Know? So. And, and
0: since you mentioned those two big names, this is just kind of a, a, a not really a serious question. Did you guys ever have spelling tests <laughs> with the famous composers? <laughs> you know, like like spelling tests, just the basic like when you're in first grade. And you have like a little dotted line in the middle and you need to spell out whatever word it is and the teacher says little and you write l i t t l e like did you yeah. have did you ever have something like that I'm probably no but... so
1: my answer to that is it depends on the teacher oh so no. some professors oh, no. could be very very uh, low key about it, very chill about it yeah. you know they as long if you spell handle and you spell h a n d l e because you think it sounds like handle but really yeah like a handle of a bucket he's German and it's h a n d e l you know some professors wouldn't care, but other professors were really, really into it. Particular. Uh, so, very particular. Very, it would seem that it was professors who also taught a language on the side, which was very common in the College of Music. You'd have oh, okay. uh, a teacher. That you know, makes sense. A yeah. voice teacher teaching German diction, for example. They would they would nail you if you spelled handle wrong. Okay. Also to kinda add to that, I had a professor tell me a story of a kid who came into audition and um he said, "I'll be performing a blank piece by Bach, Johann Sebastian Bach." Johann Sebastian he said, Bach, B-A-C-H, and uh, the the audition panel, the panel of judges said to him, "It's Bach." And this kid argued with them and said, "It's Bach." Oh no! Uh, and so they went back. <laughs> it really and forth. botched that so, one. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, that was a fake laugh. I, I'm sorry. I bet you can uh, you can imagine how that audition went. That probably didn't go well.
0: Yeah. I mean, just like uh-huh. it's even if you say it wrong, I mean. That the C H. Actually, I'm in a linguistics course right now, so we're talking about how if you take one word from a different language and you pronounce it in your language, like Ptolemy, it's because we didn't learn how to pronounce the PT sound. Yeah. So Bach is Bach, but we don't really have a ch in English. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, so I actually have a little. Yeah, I actually have a little list here, um, just to kind of test how how much of the stuff you've absorbed. I have three names set aside here, uh, and I'm going to ask you to spell them let's do it just briefly just to see you know just kind of yeah just kind of play this out here's the first one and the first one i'm gonna have you spell out the whole name if you can i'm not gonna pronounce this correctly because i believe this guy is german as well wolfgang Amadeus mozart okay could you spell that
1: one yeah so i'll give you uh kind of a rough english pronunciation first so you know how what i'm spelling it based on yeah yeah so Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Yes. And again, that's not in German. That's that's uh, an English pronunciation. But yes. we're going to go with W-O-L-F-G-A-N-G space. Nice. A-M-A-D-E-U-S space M-O-Z-A-R-T. Lovely. That, that is did. perfect. Okay. There we go. Uh, sorry. I plosived. <laughs>
0: but, uh, but okay. So great job. So you got that one. You got that one perfectly right. All right. The next two I have here. This next one, just the last name beethoven
1: okay which so, isn't isn't
0: as hard as the next one but it's beethoven
1: in german that is ludwig von beethoven correct uh again before i spell it listen for the w and the v so our w's in german are v so we are going to go with l-u-d-w-i-g space v-a-n space b-e-e-t-h-o-v-e-n
0: that is i just you're, you're you're so good at this honestly this is perfect <laughs> I, I figured I'd trip you up, maybe on a couple of these. Yeah, but uh, but now we and got Germans. So. We got the real kicker. You here. You can
1: tell which language my professor preferred. We get exactly
0: right. Um, we have the real kicker here. I I have I don't know if you spell this correctly. I just I don't, I don't even I don't even know what I'm oh, gonna man. do. Okay, this guy's famous for Swan Lake and the Nutcracker. Okay, I believe maybe Russian or Eastern European. Not sure.
1: Tchaikovsky.
0: Correct. It's Tchaikovsky, but I'm gonna try to say the full name: Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky. Okay, so going, that's even close to right, but going can,
1: off of the rules, you said last name, so I know, I I've, given, I okay. know I've given the first name okay. just for my own knowledge. Yeah, but for Tchaikovsky, we're gonna go with T C H A I. Hang on, I got that T C H right. T C H uh, A I, okay, good so far. K O V. Yeah. S-K-Y. Oh my Chocosky. gosh! Yeah, had, How did you get that? I had my that? imaginary paper in my head. <laughs> and no, I, I didn't know. For the listeners who think, who may think it's rigged, it is not rigged. No, but those are that is um, genuine. They are fairly common. We did a lot of, a lot yeah. of it in music theory. Okay, um, but okay. if you asked an inter- instrumentalist, uh, I'm not quite sure if they could spell it. But like I said earlier,
0: but James Seton can spell my, it. So that's. Just <laughs> my professor was of german stuff. descent
1: so he yeah. really drilled that into me. yeah
0: tchaikovsky Oof, yeah. that one's tough
1: that is yeah
0: but anyways that's kind of gonna kind of segue to this last segment yeah. i have here or this last little small section essentially way back when with these famous composers they kind of went by their regular old names yeah and a lot of them are foreign so they're kind of hard for us english folk to pronounce like tchaikovsky or even to spell which james just nailed <laughs> but um but these days a lot of artists, foreign, American, you know, from England, whoever it is, they have what we call stage names, right? Yeah. Kind of like James's nicknames, but stage names, right? Yeah. Capper. Capper, yeah. <laughs> Would
1: that be your stage name? I'd have to say. Let's same. be honest. Yeah. You thought about or, it, Capper. I mean, Nature Boy is a close second. Nature Boy. Little Nature Boy. Up there, you
0: so. could have multiple. A lot. A lot of people have like multiple. Be names dynamic. Even. Dynamic. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but anyways, a lot of people use stage names these days, which I think is really, really interesting. Just that kind of idea like how do you pick a stage name what sort of you know what what are you going for and also the stage names differ depending on what sort of music you produce like it almost it almost signals hey i'm doing this genre of music yeah there's genre bending things but like if you see someone's name that has a dollar sign in it yeah they're usually gonna be in hip-hop or something right right or if you see something that's like luke bryan it's it's i don't think that's a stage name but if it sounds like it's an old regular old name american name it's usually a country star yeah right for sure. But there's a lot of interesting kind of ways that people pick names. And just kind of on top of that, it's really popular these days to have a stage name. Like, if you go by your regular name, you're almost in the minority. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have stats on that. You're not an artist. You're not an artist <laughs> if you just go by your regular name. Unless you have a really cool name. Yeah. No. But I kind of figured that, you know what? It would be really interesting if we kind of went through a, the list here um, that I've compiled, of course. And this will be our little... Kind of game to cap off the episode, capper. Um, <laughs> we have a little list here of names, and I'm not going to tell you whether it's a stage name or whether it's a given name, okay. like the person's birth name. And these are all musicians, uh, mostly singers. So we're going to go through this list of names, and we're going to kind of you're going to break down for me whether you think it's a stage name or the real name, right? Okay. Now a few disclaimers, just as a note: nicknames that are derivative of a person's real name do not count. Okay. Like Tom Petty. Yeah. Like his, and he is actually from Gainesville, by the way. Gainesville, Florida, shout out. University of Florida, UFCO Gators, right? All that stuff. His name is Thomas, so Tom doesn't count, right? Tom right. Petty, Thomas Petty.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and that's actually interesting. I didn't know his name would be Tom Petty. Yeah. Like, I didn't think that would be his real name necessarily. Um, and also, here's another part. Both names have to be the same. Like, if either the first or the last name is made up, uh, assuming the artist goes by right. a full name, then it's a stage name, okay. right? Sounds so fair. partial names are okay, like if J Cole, yeah, it's actually his name, Jermaine Cole. Yeah, so that's not a stage name, but it sounds cool. It's, it's kind of. But uh, and then also like if a musician goes by just one name and it's any part of their actual name, like Drake, that's not a stage name. Okay. Or at least under my criteria, right? So like uh, Drake, for instance, his middle name is Drake, Aubrey Drake Graham, I think, right? So then Drake wouldn't be a stage name because it's part of his actual birth given name. Okay. Um, And also, just to reiterate, this is a comparison between birth names and their stage names. Because some of these guys picked a stage name, and then they legally changed it to their real name. Right. So now that kind of defeats the purpose. So it's the birth name versus the
1: the stage name. Okay? Sounds good. Clear to go? Well, I'll preface uh, my answers with... I just like to remind the viewers that my training is in classical music, so if, yes. I, if I butcher all of these, then you know why. <laughs> yeah, but these are,
0: I'm telling you, these are going to be some good ones for sure. Um, let's do it. I got a list of ten names, I believe. Uh, I will not say, I think five of them are stage names and five are birth, but I really don't know, okay. so uh, you could try to keep track, I guess. But okay, let's start without further ado. This is the first name, uh, and I'm trying to mix some old and new artists, just by the way. The first name is Elton John.
1: Stage name. Stage name. Yeah, oh. I, play, I play his music.
0: Stage name. Nice, nice. So it's actually stage name. Elton John sounds like a real name. It does, right? Yeah. Elton I watched John. The,
1: mo- the movie Rocket. Rocket Man. I yeah. saw that as well.
0: Great movie. Really good. Um, so his his real stage name is actually Sir Elton Hercules John. Yeah, is his real stage name. That knighthood. And he might have changed the name. I'm not sure. I know he's knighthood yeah. uh, in England. His real name. Get Ronald, get this. Right? Reginald. Reginald. Reginald or K. Course. Dwight. So English he's got. Enough. Which is weird, by the way. Both of his names, his stage name and his real name, he has two first names in each of them. Really? Reginald okay. Dwight. Yeah. That's two first names. And Elton John. That's yeah. two first names. And then Elton John doesn't even sound like a stage it's just weird, right? Overall, so I agree. But Elton John, great musician. That's what the show's about, right? St- <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> but he's still putting out great music these days. So that's the first one. James is James is one for one.
1: I'll take those odds.
0: Now, uh, <laughs> now let's see about the next ones here. The next uh, artist I have is Travis Scott.
1: Oh. You know, I'm going to say it's his real name. I you think love it's his, real his music, name? but I haven't gone on his Wikipedia yet. It is
0: not so. his real name. It oh. is a stage name. It's okay. one of those other stage names that sounds like a real name. Yeah. Also, two first names. Yeah, Travis right. and Scott. Why do people keep doing that? Never trust a guy with two first names. Right. Just saying. Um, but anyways, his real birth name is Jaquez Berman Webster II, if wow. I'm not butchering that. But that's his okay. real name. So So he's a junior. He's a, He's a junior. I he's like a junior that. for sure. Um alrighty, so one for two. It's all right. That was kinda <laughs> unfair. Um the next name we got here is Johnny Cash.
1: Johnny Cash. Okay. So he's got a great song called Hurt. Hurt? Really song. A sad song, but now, a good
0: message. Just one little small part here. He didn't write that one. That's a cover.
1: Oh yes. That's a cover. You're he's right. got a lot of great and, he, music. and and he recorded it I think a year or so before he died. He did. It did. he was, yeah, it was a that's year my I think fault. before it passed that's away. A neck. No. <laughs>
0: no but uh but it's actually it's probably his most famous song that cover it's a nine inch nail song i believe yeah but his his, his version's way better yeah. okay it Really but, gets uh, into it. johnny cash is that a real name or a stage name
1: ah uh, stage name
0: stage name it's yeah. his birth name Ah, oh. john r cash
1: we're going down a slippery slope the here cash now.
0: right cash just doesn't yeah. seem like a real name it doesn't yeah. but cash johnny cash uh jr is what is actually his parents called him jr cash um all righty so one for three you can make yeah. a comeback plenty of time Yes, sir. The next name we have here is Miley Cyrus.
1: Miley Cyrus.
0: Stage name or birth name?
1: Alrighty. So I watched the Disney Channel. You know, I know she's Hannah Montana. <laughs> yeah. So because Hannah Montana is the stage name in the show, the namesake of the show, I'm gonna say that Miley Cyrus is her birth name.
0: It is not her birth oh, name. Oh man! But, I know but the
1: last name, right? Billy Ray Cyrus. The last name
0: Cyrus is her is her is her last name because, okay. like you said, her dad, Billy Ray Cyrus. Right um her her birth name name was destiny hope cyrus
1: did not know that right
0: i didn't i didn't know that either i picked that as an example for a real name yeah (laughs) to be honest but then i was like okay wait a second so destiny hope cyrus i think she's legally changed it to miley at this point yeah but uh okay the next name we have here is kendrick lamar
1: kendrick lamar birth name
0: or stage name
1: i listen to all these guys music matt and i just you know you're not sure just not sure. go with your
0: gut man Kendrick Lamar Kendrick what do you think Kendrick
1: Lamar stage name
0: no oh, It's I his birth it. name birth name and also okay, two first names up. but technically Kendrick mm-hmm. Lamar Kendrick is his first name Lamar is his middle name okay Kendrick Lamar's last name is Duckworth
1: Duckworth Duckworth wow. and he actually has not a, se- a good choice he has a song
0: named Duckworth on his uh I believe it's his latest album at this point on okay. damn uh part of my <clears> French <throat>
1: So. so i'm what now one for four you're one for five one for
0: five so but you know what there's a chance to finish over 50 yeah there's a chance <laughs> the next name we got here is ariana grande
1: ariana grande
0: ariana grande what do you think
1: all right i'm quite sure that's her stage name
0: maybe go against your gut though
1: i gotta go with stage name it's her birth name what no <laughs> no way it's her birth I name sh- i could have sworn like on wikipedia I ariana grande
0: her name is ariana grande butera grande butera <sighs> is hyphenated So Grande Butera. Okay. So, but that's her. That's a real name. I thought you
1: were just trying to trick me. I thought I I Uh, thought I was trying to trick you, but uh,
0: but no, one for six. Now, James, I'm so sorry. This This has been a steady, steady downward slope. This isn't good. All right, you'll you'll regain some momentum here. Freddie Mercury, birth name or stage name?
1: Stage name.
0: There we go. Stage (laughs) name. (laughs) There we go. Nice. That's just say Freddie Mercury. Mercury. That just sounds a bit too perfect. Yeah. Um oh, for sure. So his real name is Farak Bulsara. That's one actually his it? Farak Bulsara. That's his real name. That's that's his real name, honestly. No one knows that. Really? That's his real name. So yeah, so you, you do know who Freddie Mercury is, right?
1: No James, James. No, yeah. I, no, I, I, you I do don't. No. Oh my god. Yeah, show me where he's from. Queen? Qu- okay, I know. Queen. There we oh go. yeah there we go if i don't count though,
0: that's not queen
1: <laughs> no that's no. actually
0: by a band called europe oh. <laughs> queen is queen is oh, all that bohemian rhapsody, bohemian rhapsody Classic. right <laughs> yeah there we go oh, yeah
1: that's, i apologize let's to pretend the that didn't happen again music theory <laughs> didn't cover modern yeah. people we didn't right? get
0: into it so, but you know Queen, right? Oh I, yes. A lot of great songs, right? We are the champions. Yes, sir. Killer Queen, all those other great songs. We will, we will rock you. Oh, that's a classic. You know.
1: Field day, tug of war, you know. Yeah, yeah. Everyone all the that. Stands.
0: All that. All right, we're going to move on to the next one. <laughs> <coughs> um, here we are for the next. Uh, the next name I have here selected is Katy Perry.
1: Katy Perry.
0: Is that her real name.
1: Maybe this is who I'm confusing Ariana Grande with, because you know sometimes, sometimes you look up an artist, you know, see like what they're worth, and it pulls up yeah, their Wikipedia. you Wikipedia, Pull you know? up and network. You just see what they're up to. You know? Exactly. Or, Ariana Grande. You want to read more about her licking the donut in the shop, you know, and right stuff like that. E- so exactly. Katy Perry. I think I've seen this one. I'm going to be completely confident and say that that's a stage name. You are correct. Yes, sir. Stage I've name two in a row. You're now three Wikipedia. for eight. Um, yeah, so her, her real birth-given
0: name is Catherine, which is Katie would be fine, right, if her last name is the same, <clears> but it's different. Catherine Elizabeth Hudson. Okay. That's her name, which is kind of a nice name. Yeah.
1: She started as a uh, Christian singer, actually. She did, she did. Yeah, not a lot of people yeah. know that. Daughter of a viewers. preacher. Daughter of a preacher. Yeah.
0: But anyway, so her name, Catherine Elizabeth Hudson. Great. Now, this next, next name here, actually, an artist that I think, uh, top five all time, at least for me, my favorite musicians. We have David Bowie.
1: David Bowie.
0: David Bowie. What do you think? Birth name or stage name?
1: Stage name.
0: Stage name, you are correct. Yes, sir. His name, guess. Is, his name is David Robert James. Actually, excuse me, it's David Robert Jones. Um, anyways, with that in mind, we are moving to the very last one. You've gone four for nine. So oh. here's to make it 50-50. All right? Beyonce.
1: Beyonce. Birth
0: name or stage name? What do you think?
1: Oh, man. Stage name.
0: Stage name. Nope. Oh, her name is Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter, because she's married to uh, Jay-Z now. Okay. So uh, Carter, right, is his last name. But Beyonce is her real
1: given name. To throw in a, a fun fact, number yeah, 11. Yeah, go for it, go for it. Number 11. Number 11. Car- Carter got me thinking. Yeah? So Lil Wayne. Lil I thought Wayne? he'd be in the list, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Being as great as Lil Wayne is, you know? Don't sleep on the Carter five. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Lil Wayne's name is actually, and correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe we can go back and take a look before uh, publishing. But Dwayne Carter, and that is where we get Lil Wayne, and that is why his albums have been the Carter. You are correct. You know, so you got like your Carter Dwayne Moore, Carter. Carter five. You are ex- exact.
0: And I would argue that's not even really a stage name. The Lil, you know, yeah. right? But uh, but yeah, Dwayne, Dwayne Michael yeah, Carter he's... Jr. He's a junior. Yeah, yeah. They're... There it is. He's a junior. Um, yeah, well that's a nice little fun fact. Number eleven there. You know there what? There we go. For that reason, I'll give you a six out of eleven. Six out
1: of eleven. That's yeah.
0: over fifty percent. Oh, that is fantastic, my guy. Proud of you. And uh just because I'm so proud of you, I'd like you to end it on maybe a little bit more of that final countdown. <laughs> okay?
1: Alright. Go for let's it, my guy. It.
0: This is how we'll cap the show. thank you for listening to this week's episode of the well actually podcast tune in next week for new content available on this podcast channel